Episode 75, my goodness, hard to believe, 75 episodes of Yukon 360, that's the only podcast ever created by science that covers the University of Connecticut from every conceivable angle. It's the end of the year, we are rapidly approaching 2021, I'm sure most people are hoping for maybe some slight changes from 2020. (laughs) You Um, think? You think? Yeah. Hope on (laughs) the horizon. As we're recording this, it's a very snowy day, it's a reading day. The semester's over, finals are ahead of us, and we are coming to you from from across the Northeast. My name's Tom Brina, I'm your facilitator of sorts. Joining me are my colleagues, Tyler Silverio. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm good. Julie, Bartuka, Julie, what's the good word? Nothing. Is it still reading days, or is it finals week at this point? Today's a reading day. Technically, yeah, right now it's uh, finals oh, week. Yeah, but we have a reading day today. I'm just really bummed that we don't have snow days anymore. That's right, no more snow days. For, for us remotely. adults who work at the university, we used to get snow days, and now we do not because telecommuting. I'm very, I'm more, I'm in mourning. <laughs> Ken, how are, you, how are things at the Mansfield Center Bureau? Of course, we're recording, so there are bobcat snowplows outside my window, <laughs> just like the lawnmowers were <laughs> most of the summer. So, I mean, if it's if we're recording, there's going to be noise outside, but that's fine. They're taking care of things that I don't have to deal with. The road is cleared. The sidewalks seem to be cleared. And it looks like it's just about stopped snowing. Tyler, did you get good snow down there? Yeah, a lot, actually. At least eight inches, I want to say. Yeah, I think we have like a foot. It's awesome. Because I don't have to shovel it. I do have to shovel it. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's still, still good to see, I guess, right? It's that time it's of year. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different. This episode, since we are coming to the end of the year and it's time to take stock and reflect, we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from the year. But first, we're going to do a uh, a very timely piece that Julie has for us about a, a special anniversary. Tom said that because it's not very timely, but <laughs> it we're is. still we're still in the year of the 25th anniversary of the Jonathan statue on campus. Um, so back in the summertime, I talked to Larry Wosley, who is. A local artist who lives in stores, and he created the Jonathan logo of the, I think, 80s and 90s. He designed the floor at Gample on the court back then, and he was the one who got to create that awesome statue that we all know and love. His art education started at the Westminster School in Simsbury Prep School, where he said he was involved in creating all kinds of art from the sets for plays to designing posters for the events there. And then he went on to RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, where he focused on drawing, painting, and sculpture, and then became an illustrator in Manhattan. And then he moved to stores, and he started going to games with his friend John Tewitt, who is still the PA announcer for UConn football, basketball, and hockey. And they weren't so happy with the Jonathan logo that was in use at the time, so they they started talking to people about what they could do about it, and that's where we started talking. I'm Larry Scott Wasley. I moved to stores in 1969 and began sneaking into basketball games and football games and everything else with my friend John Tewitt, who's now the voice of the Huskies. And we always thought that the logo needed improvement. That's a kind way to say it. 
the logo that they were using looked like a dog that got run over. And I <laughs> dreamed I was going to do that. And I, and I wound up doing the logo for the university. And then the Jonathan came from that. They actually asked me to find a sculptor. And I went, I can do this. And, and uh, they were like, oh, God, we knew we shouldn't have asked you because we want <laughs> People don't hire locals. Da Vinci was a local to somebody. Right. And right. so uh, I had to win, win this project outright. So before the statue, 1980, you said you approached Yukon about the Husky logo. First of all, it's great that there's a controversy because for all those years, maybe 30 some years, everybody just loved it and used it. I got to design the court at Gample. I didn't have a way to be in Gample when they opened it up against St. John's. And even Johnny, who was on the radio, couldn't get me a sneaky press pass or fake a press pass. So I was the Domino's guy, and I was delivering Domino's <laughs> to the locker room. And I came in, and I wound up sitting in the cheapest seat in the house and watching them unveil my court. And then in 1992, so you started to tell the story. It was President Hartley, right, who wanted yep. to build this statue. He was thinking about, like, the Nittany Lion and how people That's flocked exactly to that up there probably with girlfriends the Nittany line is a place where you bring your girlfriends and he thought that that was an awesome thing and that we should have had one all along and he began that process with the uh, head of the fine arts department and a bunch of guys and you know what happens when you design something by committee like a racehorse by committee you wind up with a camel they actually wanted the guy in the husky suit laying sideways on a park bench, eating an apple, reading a book, because that would stroke all the members of the Yukon community. Of course, of course. And, Always have to get that academics in there. And, <laughs> and, you know, and then one person wanted the Husky to be on the corner and plated in gold. We, we were not doing that. And, so, uh, <laughs> and then there were literalists that wanted it white. How do we make it white? And I said, that would look really neat with a Sharpie and all the signatures on it. Mm -hmm. I won out every argument because Harry told me that I could win out every argument. And I had the last word. And he was just great. Um, fun guy to know and a fun guy to work with. Just attaching the statue to the university. A physical attachment. Now, you can think about that in legal terms. You're actually giving and gifting but it has to go somewhere. So now you're talking about committees of people saying the stone wall should be brick because the 75 feet behind is a brick wall. And we were trying to cover that with shrubs. Sid Waxman, who's passed away, is it was up in landscape horticulture. He was a professor and he developed those three big, huge trees. They're very special trees. They're very expensive trees. And so we had the parents fund pay for those trees and they blocked out the background. So now when people from all over the world see the Husky, which they do on TV a lot, they think we're up in a mountain somewhere. <laughs> and Yukon is Y-U-K-O-N in their heads, but we know that we really wanted just to cover up all the modern buildings behind us and have a great place to go to take pictures. Which it has become. And how, how is that for you to see every year at commencement and we have the tradition, you rub his nose for good luck. What does that feel like for you as the artist? Well, come on. You, know, you just got, you got to imagine 
most artists do a piece and they see it maybe once every three years somewhere in a magazine or on TV. Mine's up the street. Although it's hard to get near graduation, I'm all pumped up, a little choked up the entire time I'm there. I might be there for two, three hours watching kids and their families and people draping themselves and kissing it goodbye. It is just the best. It's amazing, wonderful, wonderful. But I will tell you, I was there one day the first year and there was a bunch of guys came up with bags at midnight kind of thing on a Saturday night and they had paint cans, they were shaking and they had hammers and I was thinking, oh my God, I'm actually going to watch. I'm maybe one of the first artists in the world to watch somebody destroy their piece and I can't take on a dozen guys and I just put my face in my hands and I heard a guy say, you know what? Let's get out of here, man. This thing's cool. I really like it. And then it sort of spread out on This is stupid. Let's not do this. And they walked away. And it was wow. if I ever read a book, that'll be like Yeah, book. you can't make that up. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. crazy. So many really neat experiences have happened for me at the dog. There was guys from all over the world when we won the first national championship men's. I was blocked by the students, and I couldn't get to the dog. And Harry Hartley said, if we win, I'll meet you at the dog. If we win, I'll meet you at the dog. So I asked the fire department to hit the bonfire of pallets with the hose, and I ran to the bonfire of pallets, and they hit me with the hose. And by the time I got to the dog, I was covered in black soot. And I got up on the dog, and the cops pulled me off. And the TV camera people were there, and I'm trying to tell them the story. And they're going, yeah, right. That would be a great story if it was true, man. Get away from here. And a bunch of girls came over, and they pulled my wallet out and took my ID and showed that the plaque and the ID were the same, and they still didn't air it. But Gary <laughs> oh didn't make it. He was too scared to go into a blazing bonfire of partying kids tell me about uh the process of making it i was reading about your different inspiration that you drew from to create kind of this perfect statue husky i pulled people over on the highway when i saw a big fat tail in the window and i knew it was the right tail i went to see balto who was um, a famous husky we found it in central park fantastic with mine i went and the university said we want a life-size dog and so I, I took Luon, which is a thin plywood, it's like a very thick cardboard, and I cut out a silhouette. And I brought it out of the van, and we had a meeting at four in the morning when nobody would be around, and I held it up in front of Gamble, and they went, oh my God, it looks like a rat. So I went to the van, and I had one two feet bigger, and somebody said, it just looks like a specimen. And I think that was the head of fine arts. He goes, it looks like a, an animal specimen. And... I kept pulling them out till I had the seven foot long piece. And I said, proportionally, and they go, are you trying to make this a bigger job for yourself? I go, <laughs> first of all, would I want to do something that nobody could see driving by and why bother take pictures of it? I'm thinking about you guys. And I was, we wanted that to be a location that everybody wanted to use. Everybody wanted to use it certainly has become that. What did tell me about like actually creating it? What did you what was that process like? It was fantastic. I made a grid pattern of six inch block and then I used a hot wire like a cheese cutter 
that a friend of mine down the street helped me build. And then, of course, I became a sculptor and then started using knives and saws and vibrating tools. And I carved it much the way, you know, Michelangelo would carve marble, only I'm using styrofoam and and a (laughs) modern spinning Dremel tool. But I carved it all within a half inch to quarter inch of its spec and then a Sculpey clay. And it was pretty cool. And once it was done, it, I happened to use white. I thought it was really neat. I wanted it to look like marble. There was a dinner for a fundraiser. And so I was to take pictures with the donors. And so they thought it was marble. It was just beautiful. Wow. It was just absolutely beautiful, this big white piece with a navy blue background. It was so cool to meet the people who wanted to pay for it because they – the guy, Roger Thaliker, who, who, who walked in and decommittee this process, if you can call it that, he said, you know what, I'm going to pay for this myself. <laughs> he took everybody's proposals around the table away from them and shoved it in a briefcase like a big sandwich and walked out the door. And he said, I spent a couple hours on the phone. Mm-hmm. Within two and a half weeks, they had all the, the money. Wow. People wanted to do this so badly that for years after that, people wanted to pay to be on the plaque and were <laughs> mad that they couldn't add and put on the plaque. It came up on a giant payloader swinging, wrapped up like a mummy. I had already had the rock carved in my yard and the holes drilled. The rock was installed the day before. The park was all built. Jimmy Campoformio from Ashford did the wall around it. I used everybody I could figure that would be able to handle the process and get it done fast. The cutting of the just the, the circle, you know, it's the yellow brick road, it's the beginning of the yellow brick road. Oh, <laughs> I don't um, think I ever realized that. Well, you gotta look at it from the drone, you know, it's it's, right? the beginning of, it's the beginning of your yellow brick road as you leave as a graduate. Very and I think that's pretty neat. <laughs> Basically, it all happened, and we lowered it into the halls with a special glue that would hold two inch thick pieces of granite to skyscrapers in New York. It all went in, and, and hours later, we took the, the cover off. Well, Julie, the best part, and we missed it this year, is when you have that many people, it's really hard to polish the patina off from bronze. His nose and parts of his tail are bright 14-karat gold-looking, mm-hmm. and the hand polishing, which is it's – It's just, cool. It's Yeah, he's a, he's a part of the experience. It's – that's great. There was a moment when it first went up where I went to visit, and I did it a few times that year, and there was this old guy in a very big old wrinkly suit and a hat, and I discovered that he was crying, and he was touching the dog, and I said, are you okay? And he said, sure would like to meet the fellow who made this. He's probably dead and gone by now. Everybody thinks whoever did it must have been some old artist, and it was <laughs> I said, well, why would you want to meet that guy? And he said, because I had the first dog, and I was in charge of the first dog. Aww. When he died, we buried him under that big step at North Eagleville Road in 195. There's a step there that says the first building. And uh, it was just really sweet. So you may have noticed some birds. I think that Mr. Wasley has some parrots that were a little vocal during that interview so you're not hearing things that was real he was a really interesting guy he had a lot of stories um there's a lot i had to cut out just because of time but he is still an artist he 
does a lot of dog and animal portraiture. His website is artandtheanimal.net, so you can check out his work there and commission him if you wanted. Very nice. That's a pretty cool thing to be part of, something that's become such a, you know, a familiar part of campus. Yeah, he was really kind of jazzed about it. He he definitely understands how important it is. It, was- it, it may be the most photographed part of the campus at this point, because I never walk Probably. by there when there's not somebody taking pictures. Ever. Mm-hmm. It's true. The last time I saw it, they had it sort of uh, roped off for social distancing, though. So you got you can still take pictures, but you just have to not crowd in with people. Yes. Makes sense. Well, you know, that's a good segue to talk about 2020. It was the year we learned about social distancing. <laughs> right? Yeah. So many things this year that we never even thought about before. It's crazy. We had a busy year at uh, UConn 360. We went remote, and we did not miss a single broadcast. I'm pretty proud of us for that. That's pretty cool. I am too, honestly. Thanks to Tyler, we sound good, because there was a brief period where we did not sound that great <laughs> being remotely, but now we do. Thank you, Tyler. And yeah, I mean, I think we learned a lot about all kinds of things. So we were going back and looking at some of our previous episodes, and I don't want to have a, like a contrived framing device like the Golden Girls where they're like trapped inside and they talk about memories and it's a clip show. <laughs> that's kind of what this Golden is. Girls. Yeah. A few things jumped out at me that I thought were really, really fun stories and interesting stories and important stories that kind of summed up this year. Um, one thing I really liked was the entire episode that we devoted to Julie's recording of faculty members talking about the protests against police violence and racial injustice that started the summer. I thought that was a really good episode that kind of, it caught the mood and uh, it showed that we can kind of respond quickly to things and also that UConn has a lot of expertise to talk about important issues in the country. Yeah, I was going to talk about that one too. That was my favorite of the year and I was really grateful to you guys for kind of letting me take over um, that episode. I thought it was really important for us to talk to people who could shed some light on what was going on in such a big movement in our country. So that was awesome. Thank you to all of those professors who participated in that. Were there any any other episodes that jumped out at you? I actually listened to a lot of stuff because I, I wanted to hear other than my own material. And Julie's story with Sarah McNulty and the squids, that was a good interview and, and you learned a lot. And in episode 70, uh, the rules for students, curfews and wearing hats that Tom told us in the Tom's History Corner. I remember that. And uh, as far as my pieces, uh, the very first one we did at the beginning of the year, which we kind of referenced, it took a year to get it on the air because I recorded the Culinary Olympics from the previous year where our dining services folks do their own version of which really morphed into sh- to chopped rather than Iron Chef because of the way that they do it. And it was a challenge from the standpoint of learning how to do that with so much sound in the room and different things that were going on and interviews and reporters. It was basically a throwback to my days in in journalism when you had to elbow people aside to get information on occasion when you need to get, get a microphone there. And then two of the most interesting discussions I've ever had, uh, Janet Pritchard on her Guggenheim scholarship uh, and her thought process uh, as an artist on taking photos and how landscape photography and and the environment and history come together. And then my old friend, uh, Lara Herskovich, who looking back 20 years of of our friendship and now that she's actually realized her goal of becoming a full-time musician after being a social worker and a musician for 20 years. She was awesome. I, um, 
in my in my interim role as School of Social Work uh, communications director, got to share that in a lot of places. That was really good. Of course, I need to mention the launch of our Brave Space series. That was the effort of a couple other people in our communications office that I was able to jump in on. And those have been really interesting conversations so far, and those will continue in the new year. I'm just looking at our list really quick, but um, the Glide a Ride. We can't we can't forget the Glide a Ride. I feel like that was a that got us very uh, imaginative. And what was the name of the um, the little hottie down at Avery Point that we talked about? <laughs> Why am I drawing a blank on Remember this? Remember, there was a guy that <laughs> yeah, the guy newspapers, yeah. and he had little short shorts, and he was adorable. <laughs> That's right. That, I believe that was episode sixty-four. That was the Lara Herskovich episode. We'll have to it? go back and listen to see if uh, yeah, we we did the hot or not on our Twitter account hot too. Or not. <laughs> I must have blocked that one out for a good reason. <laughs> I also liked uh, an, another thing that turned on a, an, an event, an external event, was Ken's uh, talk with Professor Jeffrey Ogbar about uh, Little Richard. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of 50s rock and roll and Little Richard, and um, I thought that was a great way to put into context for maybe people who are too young to kind of really appreciate sort of how groundbreaking all that was. So I thought that was really good. And again, showed off that we have this really deep bench of expertise on all kinds of subjects at UConn. So I liked that. As sad as it was that we were, you know, that it was the death of someone that we were talking about, but, you know, he lived a full life. <laughs> yes. Tyler, what was your favorite memory, either, you know, one of our podcasts or just something you learned from doing this this year? Yeah, for me, it's always been the the history corners because I know I, I never would have learned any of that stuff if it weren't for, for this. And, and it's just really cool to hear about, like, the buildings I like, pass by every day and I just know them by the names they know they are now but you know you never really consider that they have a whole history behind them and to hear all those little tidbits and like you know the fun stuff like the glider ride and hmm. um the code of conduct all that was really uh interesting to me and um really glad I learned it that's awesome yeah the history corner is a gem and it's cool to learn the people behind those those buildings that we you know we think of it as a building but there's an actual person whose name was lent to that building so it's or, or not lent to that building in the case of rufus stimson who should have a building <laughs> named after him <laughs> which one was rufus still, stimson he was the uh, president who sort of saved the university in the early 20th century from basically being shut down by the wow. legislature he should definitely have a building named after him yeah what was the name of the guy here this is a real throwback in our first episode who oh he had eight jobs, and one of them was, like, sleeping in the bursar's office with a gun to prevent burglars. <laughs> Which he did very well. Which he did. Yeah, he had a shootout with burglars. That was a di- very different time on campus. He had a really good name. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I'll have to look it back up. You but, yeah, that was, um, yeah, everybody on the faculty had, like, five jobs because there weren't that many faculty members. And he was, like, bursar, a professor of two different subjects, you know, like, volleyball coach. He just did, like, a, a million different things, and he... When he heard there was a gang of armed robbers in the area targeting the university, he uh, <laughs> he slept in the office with a safe and a gun, which you know you had to do back then. There was no uh, you know no direct deposit. <laughs> Although the the story that um, well, there's two stories that that come to mind on on things like that. One of which was recent the the class that people kept taking and failing the the housekeeping class because right. they just yes. wanted to take the class again. And we, we talked about that recently. And then, of yeah. course, the very first one that we talked about, which involved a family member of the podcast crew, Uncle Barry, 
and the fake president that that they ran who actually won the election in for student council leadership. Bill X. Carlson. Bill X. Carlson. Yeah. One of my favorite, because I grew up with that as family lore, like my dad talking about Bill X. Carlson and to meet the man behind the legend was just that was absolutely wonderful. one of the weirdest moments of my life. Tyler, I don't know if you've listened to our back episodes, but in episode two years ago, Tom was telling stories, a story for the History Corner, and he mentions this man for, who went to UConn, Barry Berman, and I am like furiously texting my aunt and uncle because Barry Berman is my uncle. He is a UConn alum, and I had never heard this story before, which was crazy because they apparently had told it to, you know, everyone all the time, but I just, you know, never got <laughs> the pleasure of hearing it. And so we had my Uncle Barry on the podcast to talk about creating a fictional student body president. Yeah, what a way to hear about a family story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> really weird, really surreal, but it was awesome. That's when we were recording at the Benton Museum of Art, mm-hmm. because it was the quietest place we could find on campus until we got our studio. Back in the day. Wow, this has turned into a real retrospective of years. 2020 <laughs> is coming to an end. I now. do have some current news, though, from just the other day. Yeah. It's it's topical. Of course, as he always does the day before game, Gino Auriemma uh, talked with reporters before the team left for New Jersey uh, to play Seton Hall, which is going to be their first Big East game of this year, and of course, the first time in seven years. And in discussing the team's 79-23 win over UMass Lowell, he talked about how strange it was playing in Gamble Pavilion with just a few family members in there and looking at all those fan and pet cutouts that are over there in the stands. And and one side, where the students usually are, where all the pictures of the dogs and the pets are appearing. He said his 89-year-old mother thinks it's weird. But, of course, Gino, as he is often does, goes in another direction in answering a question from Joe Zone of WFSB-TV. I think in the post-game press conference, we ought to have cutouts of you guys, not the stuff on the screen. I want to see, like, a cutout so I can, like, look over you, throw a little spitball at you, hit you in the side of the head or something, so we can at least inject some humor into this nonsense. (laughs) So let's do this. Send Anna a picture of your cutout, your favorite picture, or send your pet, your dog, or whatever, your your parakeet. Send something. You You won't charge the 50 bucks? I was going to say thank you all for your $50 donation to the UConn hey. Foundation. Hey, you know. I'll send uh, your bill to Gino or Emma. I'll, I'll pay the 50 bucks just so I have something to laugh at. That was cute. Well, Gino's just being Gino, as he always is. That's why we love Gino. That's a, that's a, a perfect holiday sentiment. <laughs> Spitball. You know, to sum up this year. Um, well, we should we should probably wrap this up. I yes, think this yes. this has been fun, um, and uh, if you if you enjoy this, and I know you do, if you're listening to this, you enjoy it. Uh, you can follow us um, on the internet. You can go ahead over to Yukon Podcast at twitter.com uh, at main underscore old at twitter.com and look at uh, pictures of the old Daily Campus House that we talked about in a previous episode that they bought from a catalog. Um, <laughs> you can follow me at TJ Breen uh, on twitter.com. Uh, Tyler, is there anything you want to you want to plug to the good people out there? Um, yeah, I probably won't be posting too much now that it's winter break. But um, UConn FASA, the Instagram account, is the uh, Filipino American Student Association um, Instagram account that I run for the club at UConn. Very nice, Julie. Awesome. I'm on Twitter at Julie Bartuka, and I just want everyone to have a safe 
safe, 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 happy holiday. And I hope that 2021 is better for everyone. Yes. Ken, any, any new year wishes for people? Well, I hope we get this all settled and the vaccines are available uh, as they are scheduled to be uh, very soon. Um, I'm not going to be making the trek to the homeland. Uh, Everyone agrees that's not a good idea for for the family to come in from different places around the country. So we're going to just do that, self-isolating. But I've got plenty of music to listen to and and people can listen to it on 91.7 WHUS in stores. Yukon Sound Alternative streaming online at whus.org. And on Fridays at 11 o'clock, you can also listen to the rebroadcast of the Yukon 360 podcast. Very nice. Yeah, so uh, however you're ringing in the new year out there, we hope you're doing it safely and in total isolation. We'll talk to you in 2021, everybody. Take care.